0: And what I say is, foundationally, this idea of leaning in and going with the giving mindset versus what I'm going to get in the interaction, it, it it translates no matter where you're at. You just have to be even more intentional.
1: Welcome to Beyond
0: Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top
1: speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. And today we have with us Heather R. Younger, Heather R. Younger is a two time TEDx speaker. She's the CEO of employee fanatics. She's the art of caring leadership and she is here with us today in our studio. So Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I, I love that you are into listening. Like, I feel like that's something that we miss out on. So we're so, so focused on being active and doing this, this, and this, why is listening so important?
0: Well, Generally, what happens is we just, we just drop it all the time. People don't feel like they've been heard when we have interactions with them. And so, if we think about like in a sales environment, or like, let's say, you're dealing with a prospect, if they don't feel like you're listening or that you don't hear them, they're not probably going to buy from you because they're feeling like they're a number. If you're at work and you're a leader and you're dealing with your team members and that you're not listening and they're not willing to go over and above for you because you haven't left them feeling like they're valued and understood by you. So, those are just some of the reasons I think why listening is important.
1: And how did you get into this topic? I'm always curious to know where the start is. Were you a great listener as a child?
0: Mm. <laughs> mm. I'm the only child.
1: Okay, and, um, okay. And
0: so I think the key, I had to be a pretty good listener because well, there was no one to like blame for not listening well. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any siblings <laughs> to say, well, this person did that. I would try it and it didn't work. Uh, but basically, as a child, I, uh, my mom is white and Jewish. My dad is black and Christian. Mm-hmm. And my mom's parents weren't at all happy about that union. and. I was really kind of like the black sheep. My dad was never invited to their house. Mm -hmm. I was rarely invited to any family events. My pictures didn't hang on any walls. I was just really an outcast in my own family. And I felt in that moment that not only did there was a lack of belonging and inclusion, but there was a lack of just even having a voice. No Mm -hmm. one asked me my opinion. No one took the time to say, how do you feel? Or what about this or that? life just kind of happened and I had yeah. no power in my voice. So that was why for me listening became so important. And so now it's like, to, I, that's what I do. I'm in the employee whisper. So I'm listening to employees all the time, leaders and employees to figure out, you know, what is it that the people in the organizations can do to improve my experience? So.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that I feel like so much plays into that, like that being left out and not being seen or heard. I mean, that definitely plays into that. Were, are both of your parents supportive of that? Did you get that from either one, or, or where does that that come from?
0: Um, I would say it probably leans more on my mom's side.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, she just is really, we
0: both are, kind of have like all the values, you know, that people have to feel heard and listen to it. It's just, we are so strong about it. And so it just, it's great to be able to live this life or to be doing the career I have that actually allows me to do this every day. It allows me to be able to lean into listening Mm -hmm. to the people who often just feel voiceless.
1: Yeah. How did you go from sort of the value to the skills? Like where did you learn the skills of listening and teaching others to listen?
0: I, I think Mm, there's some complexity on that one, but I would say that there was a lot of other stuff going on in my household, let's say, that uh, required me to to be very attuned to what was happening around me. Mm-hmm. So there was some addiction and things like that. And so as a result, I had to be really like recognizing what I didn't see, like what I saw, but what wasn't being said. Mm-hmm. That was a big, big one. So that undertone of what is, what are people not saying to me or not saying out in the environment, but what is it that I'm noticing? Mm-hmm. So I think it was, it was, it's almost a survival mechanism, to be honest. That's yeah. how the skill in me was developed. And then over time, you know, I would say that the the desire to listen more, to realize that that was what I should do, I was in this merger situation, mm-hmm. and uh, in the merger, of five companies, and people were not listening to team members, to customers, they were they, they were trying to roll out new tech products, and they weren't listening to customers, they weren't listening to the employees who were on the front line. And I just, at some point, I was I felt myself being drug, dragged down kind of by all the negative sentiment. I went to the head of HR and I said, you know what? We gotta do something about this mistrust, something about this lack of engagement. And she said, um, that's a great idea. You should go do something about that. <laughs> I was like, I'm leading customer experience. Like I'm not in HR. How does that work? And she's. It made sense because I was already acting kind of like a cultural ambassador. But um, she said, you know, you already do that. You already uplift people. Why don't you go do it? So I just took her up on that. That kind of that whole thing and created an engagement council and mm-hmm. got people around the table from all the companies, figuring out how we can kind of make things work. And and I could see that when the more we listened to each other around the table, the more our collaboration increased. The more we trusted each other. And, and things just started to come together in that group. Now, the merger didn't go so well, because mm-hmm. they still weren't listening. Like, right. the, the people in the top weren't listening, and it didn't go well. So, I, But again, in that moment, I realized that, that right there, that's the thing I need to be doing, being that, that kind of conduit for those who just aren't getting it, aren't taking the time, or don't have the time to, in their mind listen mm-hmm. to listen for those who actually want to be heard.
1: And I'm, I'm really curious, because I think that's a fascinating sort of case study there, and Uh, and as you go through the practicality of it, how did you pick out the people to be on that council?
0: It was all about an openness. So it was like folks who had come to me, maybe they were the ones going, what's happening when I saw that person was fired? this person, And so they were coming to me doing that. So I saw that they were curious, they were kind of hurting too, and they were open. They wanted to see a change. So I just brought those different people that that came to me in those situations and said, let's do this thing. And they're like, absolutely, let's do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's where we went with it. And then I think the skill generation happened just starting there and all the way through with just all the listening that I've done in my consulting practice to organizations with their employees, helping them kind of set up a practice. And then you know what else too? It wasn't about me being perfect. It was doing it over and over and then tweaking it and realizing what is the right process. So we got and landed on that right process, which is what I mostly teach about you know from the stage or books or whatever it is i do so how do you get leaders to buy into this process it's the results so there are case studies that we put out there from clients who have actually decided to really own all the recommendations we give them from the listening, so the listening process itself, uh, showing them the end results, either through engagement uh, surveys, uh, through getting more customers, so it's like that It's that bottom line in most cases. I always say, when you're trying to convince someone, you have to speak in their language, so it's mm-hmm. that leadership team, are they data-driven, are they storytelling-driven, so I think the, those are the, really the things, figuring out what they need to hear and then letting them know those things in their language.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's funny, because you listen really well, so you would be able to figure <laughs> that, actually figure that out. <laughs> So, so being a customer experience leader, how did that mold? Um, how does that mold how you view listening and how you teach listening?
0: Uh, I'd say I don't. I it was because of that childhood experience. I always have led with let me see if I understand you. Let me lean into your perspective because I always felt like people didn't do that with me. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of north star for me to lean in and really go. Let me seek to understand you. It, seeking to understand doesn't mean I have to agree. With what it is I hear, it mm-hmm. means I'm just trying to get a better understanding of what's underneath your surface. Because we always, a lot of us, we're staying right here, and when we stay right here in customer experience, when we stay right here in sales, and we don't get beneath the surface, we have so many blind spots. We lose a lot of opportunities to serve well. Mm-hmm. So that's really the, the gist. I think as I realize that, go, you know, growing up and going into it with customer experience, customers would be uh, having a story. There's one client of mine uh, of the organization I work with that there was about a million dollar client and we had made, internally there was a process change we made that really made them, it irritated them. It put Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, shock on their system, their processes internally, and it was a hospital system. So from a safety perspective, it wasn't good. So uh, they decided they, they came to me and they were like, this is, what's going on? You made this change. You did not consult us, you meaning the organization. And mm-hmm. I'm the leading customer experience, so I'm kind of like, I have to bear the brunt, right? <laughs> sure. And I, and I say, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that we did that. I didn't know we did it. I'm sorry, but let me go check this out. And I went back and gave all this feedback back to, the, to a group of people, which, by the way, they were a little bit curmudgeon, a little bit kind of like chuckly about, well, well what do they know about process? Yeah. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> they know a lot about process and we better know a lot about process because they're a big client. And so was able to convince that group that we should be listening to what this customer was saying, figure out how we can retool that process to really meet their needs. And so then, then part following my process after we sought to understand and after I, I went and talked to the people kind of decoded, then I went back to the client and I said, okay, here's what happened. I talked to so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And so. This is what we came up with, and we, we apologize for all that we did. But this is these are the things. What do you think? What do you think these solutions are going to work for you, based upon what we've talked about in on your behalf? Mm-hmm. And then they say, "Oh, that's great," or "That's great," yeah. but. And then I have to go back again and do a little more retooling. And then we come back again and now they're like, oh gosh, you did that, like you went through all of that for me, all mm. of that for us. And now they feel hurt because we've taken some action on their behalf. And now we've come back to them telling them what we've done or what we intend to do on their behalf. So in the end, they're like, you heard me, you took action. I'm more than just a number as a client. And right. so not only did we keep the client, but now because of that level of, really kind of the back and forth and meeting their needs in that moment, we got more business from them. So they basically fired another vendor uh, and gave us more of the business. But yeah. it was because we listened. We listened in very detailed ways and we followed that process and, and then let them know what we were doing for them.
1: Mm-hmm. So, How do you teach somebody, let's, let's say, I'll give you two, you can pick which one or both. So uh, let's say I come to you and I'm like, I'm horrible at listening, what should I do? Or you have a leader that comes to you and you're like this person, I have to have them on my team. This person is horrible at listening. Mm -hmm. Like where do you get them to start? How do you help them to build up that skill?
0: Yeah, I would say the very first thing about uh, listening is self-awareness. So if you aren't self-aware of why you're in the interaction. So are you in the interaction to give, or are you in the interaction to get something from someone? And if you're in it to give, then you have more of a service mindset. You can kind of peel away your needs, and so the self-awareness is there, like am I distracted, am I nervous? Whatever those things are, if you can understand that. And then I think the other thing is, and that's the foundational side, so self-awareness is like emotional intelligence 101, right? Right. And then it's, but it's not hard to do, and not easy to do, it's hard to do, right? (laughs) And then Simple the, but hard. Yes. Exactly, <laughs> and then there's then there's a social awareness concept where it's uh, how are, when you aren't paying attention, when you aren't listening well, are you paying attention to the impacts around other people, and are you even listening to what their real needs are? Uh, so just journal, like journaling down. Like I had an interaction, and here's kind of what took place and I, I felt like they felt like they were heard, and but oh no, nope, I saw some kind of body language where they, they went back or they came forward. And so the more that we make people be super intentional and very like, hyper aware of them and the environment and how they're feeling, then it puts them in a better position to change. But you can't change until you're aware of it. You have to be aware of your issue and then after that, you have to have desire to change. And then that kind of, I call it a stamina to see the change through. So that's what I would say for any, whether you're talking about organizational change or individual change, you gotta have the awareness first. Mm
1: -hmm. How do, um, how have things changed as you've gone more online? Whether it's your, how you teach, I know you're working on a a new book, you're also working, uh, so that's a different medium than interacting, and then also with your LinkedIn course, if you Mm -hmm. wanna talk about those things and how what you do translates to those mediums.
0: Yeah, oh boy, That's it's like the number one question I get from the stage is I'm talking about caring leadership or listening, and it really is, we just have to be more intentional. Uh, as I was writing the book, I've, someone said, well don't forget to mention what you have to do in the challenges in a virtual world. And what I say is, foundationally, this idea of leaning in and going with the giving mindset versus mm-hmm. what I'm gonna get in the interaction, it, it, it translates no matter where you're at. You just have to be even more intentional. So it says like you know, you're on that you're on that call, you know the Zoom call for example. You gotta you gotta make sure that you that cell phone has to go away and you have to turn those email notifications off. You cannot just go away from LinkedIn. Don't look at that internet <laughs> browser. You know, but so you have to just put some like barriers and blocks to make sure that you do it even more so. So that it's not really different uh mechanically i guess but it is different in implementation because you have the Mm -hmm. level of intentionality has to be even stronger because the distractions are are just crazy (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. and and what are you trying to convey through those like i know your linkedin course if you want to talk about that a little bit
0: yeah that linkedin course is called leading with positive power Mm -hmm. versus your acquired authority so in that case it's how much as individuals do we choose certain behaviors over others uh how much do we up go choose to uplift our team members Versus, how much do we decide we're going to put our finger on them and you know not allow them any kind of empowerment or any kind of you know freedom to, to think, risk take risks, things like that. So uh, that's what that's about. And and the, the folks that like they liked the idea of positive power. It really kind of in a way is another way for me talking about caring leadership. Right. So like, how much do you show you care? How much do you uplift? How much do you recognize? How much do you make people feel important? All the things that if you think about it still stems back from way back in that childhood thing. It really is. So the North Stars for me, and I was was able to interview all these people and come up with these different behaviors that really represented what caring leadership or positive power are really but I think a lot of leaders don't understand that they don't understand how how much power they yield in a positive way versus the authority that comes with them by title mm-hmm. a position in an, in an organization so that's what that course is like.
1: yeah and it, it brings up something else like what are some of the most common pitfalls that leaders have as they're trying to transition from maybe how they used to do things how to how maybe they should do things with you know, positive power or listening?
0: Uh, I, kind of, I feel like in that situation, most leaders, uh, I think they do want to just do, they want to do it their way. Uh, yep. and, and I think people hear leader and they think manager and they think power and they think authority. Like that's, these are the words that come up. Mm-hmm. And I have been kind of grappling with this because there are audiences I talk to and there are some who don't have manager titles. Mm-hmm. So I make it very clear that leading to me is not about title or position. It might be position in the moment, someone's looking to you for guidance, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna show up for them? Are you gonna lean in? Are you gonna to seek to understand? Are you gonna meet them where they're at in that minute? Are you gonna make them feel important right there in their shoes? How are you gonna do that? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the key, is just getting them off, their, off that normal spot of, I'm the manager, I'm the leader, <laughs> and saying, well, how much more effective do you wanna be? Because you can be much more effective if you bring them along. You can be much more effective if you uplift them in your words and your actions, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's the, the key when I'm chatting with leaders.
1: Well, I, one thing I think is interesting, like before we got on camera, we were talking about having kids. So we both have four kids. I've got two teenagers. You've got four. Um, How has this carried on? You could be going from an only child to having four kids, which is a lot nowadays, it seems like. Um, How do, how have you taught them how to communicate and listen and lead based on your experience? Uh,
0: In many ways, they've taught me, Hmm. right? Because what happens is, oh, I'm really good at this at work. (laughs) I'm not always that great with the kids, but what I've learned, what they taught me is I could see, for example, here's an example, three boys that come home from school and they load into my office and they're just like, and then, and then, and then, and then they're just like going off. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It's like a pinball machine. My head's like, (laughs) and finally I say, okay, pause. Okay. You talk, you guys have to be quiet because I have, I want to listen. I really, really want to listen to you. And so then I'll just focus on them and to have the conversation. And then, I'll, I'll sense that they're done, like, and I can see they're done. Okay, great, now let's go to you. I have to, because I know that I'm not being good if I'm not present, Right. and that presence requires me to focus. And so, of course, the laptop screen because that's the other thing. I used to have the laptop screen up, mm. cell phone would still be on, and I may even do this when they're coming in. Oh, yeah. And so now it's that goes down, screen down, and okay, just you, now just you. So they've taught me that uh, I think just having them there allowed me to practice it mm-hmm. and brought what I talk about to real life every day. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I hate to say, I'm sorry that you all are the ones that have, are the guinea pigs for all of my work. <laughs> but, um, so I would say that. I would say also with my, with my kids, I have a couple who are more vocal and have no fear of speaking up. Yeah. And then I have, right, a couple that are, uh, and so I have to try to coach them. I have one, my daughter, I'm constantly coaching her and yeah. she's getting good at it. So asking the right questions and
1: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> how has that sort of changed over time as, as you're teaching them? Because you've one who's going to be 20 soon, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, how has that translated as you see them moving to like adulthood?
0: Yeah, it's so interesting how so people say, oh my gosh, she's just like you, well, or she looks just like you. I'm like, actually, she doesn't. She looks just my husband. But her, her the way she holds herself and just the way she walks and talks, she's mm-hmm. me. So I think just having having that female figure, the person who's, you know, I'm kind of driven and I, I do work on how I speak and all of those things, right? So then she does that same thing. And so I think it's kind of cool to see that and see her now become her own person. The other mm-hmm. day she told me, mom, I think I, got, I have outlines for three books now. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. She was like, first, I think I'm going to wait till I finish college. And it's like, no, actually, I can't get it out of my head. I'm going to start writing them now. So it's just like you, the influence, that, the positive influence that you see them have. Although I can tell you this, I say I, I say like more than I like to. And that's because <laughs> all of the teenagers say like about 150 times a day. Yes. And I say, please stop saying like because I hear myself saying like and I'm trying not to.
1: <laughs> yes. I know how that is. Like I've like daughter who says literally all the time. Everything's literally. And I have to like, <laughs> I don't want to say literally all the time, <laughs> and with with emphasis. It's not like I literally want to go this. I literally <laughs> want to go, this. but that's how it is. We have influence on us too. Exactly. Apparently, you're listening, because otherwise, if you were listening, you wouldn't be picking up their their weird, exactly. things. That yeah.
0: Sometimes I feel like I might listen too much. So sometimes people will say to me, "Well, when you listen, you know, you talk about taking action. Is too much action? Like, well, how do you know how much is enough, or when? How do you know what what not to act on?" But I always say it's not acting on everything. Mm-hmm. It's being strategic about the action, and sometimes you have to ask permission of Others to act on their behalf because sometimes they don't want you to act, they just want you to listen, they just want you to sit there and try to understand them. Mm -hmm. And so, that I have to do that often. (laughs) I have an affinity to action, affinity to actions. I have to ask them, please, you know, is it okay or do you want me to do anything after this conversation? Right. And then they'll say, Yeah, it'd be nice if you can blank, blank. And it's like, Great, now I know what I need to go do. Yeah, so
1: (laughs) great, great. Well, Heather, thank you so much for joining us here for our Beyond Speaking podcast. If you're watching or listening especially, make sure you subscribe uh, and comment. And uh, Heather, thank you so much again for joining us here on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. (laughs) Great.
1: Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about
0: today's guests, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever
1: you listen.